I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I take no pleasure at all in being in a situation of contradicting the president. So it was really something that you didn't feel that you could actually say something and there wouldn't be any repercussions about it. I was concerned that the impression a viewer might get from watching a police station overcome and a building's burning was that of a riot or that Minneapolis itself was burning. Uh, Will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme changed? This is such a good question. Come on, give me a break, man. It's a question. Good start. Thank you. Why weren't President Biden and all members of the Biden family masked at all times on federal lands last night if he signed an executive order that mandates masks on federal lands at all times? At the inaugural memorial, yes. I think, Steve, he was celebrating uh, an evening uh, of a historic day in our country and certainly he signed the mask mandate because it's a way to send a message to the American public about the importance of uh, wearing masks. We are off and running. <laughs> this is too good. This is too good. This stuff, this audio just uh, just came over the transom. This is too good. I mean, the <laughs> best thing is about this I don't want to say I, – I mean, you don't have to be – all you have to do is pay attention to politics for more than one administration, and you start to see the pattern. And all of those people who said, you know what? Honesty is returning to the White House briefing room as if that's a place where honesty is supposed to be. White House briefing room was built, I believe, by Roosevelt specifically – to spread spread propaganda, messaging, lies, to obfuscate and to spin, it is a place where the truth is antithetical <laughs> to its very reason to be. There is no that's not what happens there. Just because the pretty girl or handsome young man is smiling at you and saying things you want to hear and believe and coming up for excuse, with excuses 
for you, the, the politician that you love for some reason, uh, why he didn't lie or isn't a hypocrite or isn't flawed or didn't screw up or whatever, doesn't mean that anything good happens there. I'm sorry. The White House briefing room is a dirty place, and it doesn't matter who's president. And to say, if somebody actually was dumb enough to say, Sean Spicer, my God, he lies. That's ridiculous. And Kaylee McEnany and uh, Huckabee, they lie. And I'm sorry. If we're going by the standards of lying, Jen Psaki, first of all, already earned her stripes as a professional liar during two administrations ago, mm -hmm. during 44's administration. Um, and she's only took her one day to uh, reaffirm her commitment to lying, spinning, and uh, non-transparency. And that was on display today. I knew it would be. I feel freaking happy for myself that I <laughs> knew it so would be. You're so vindicated. Because I knew it would. I didn't have to be vindicated. I knew it. I absolutely didn't. And I'm not, anybody watching knew it. You know, I, I, it just, it's incredible. So, uh, by the way, since Jen Psaki now is FOS on so many things, mm -hmm. I believe she's not allowed to be on with Jake Tapper. He told me, that White House liars aren't allowed on. Mm -hmm. Nobody so she, mendacious. She exactly. She's not allowed on Jake Tapper. She can't eat at the freaking uh, jumping duck restaurant in Virginia <laughs> where they where they uh, scared uh, uh, Huckabee out of a couple of years ago. She's not allowed to have any book signings because she lied, like uh, like Spicer wasn't allowed to, and she should be hunted down by the Lincoln Project, purveyors of truth and justice, and the uh, Trump uh, Truth and Reconciliation Committee, whatever that is. There needs to be a Biden one made immediately uh, to make sure that, that uh, Jen Psaki can never get a job in a corporation anywhere and that her livelihood is completely destroyed. Because nobody would dare ever lie and be in cover and be non-transparent and spin in the White House briefing room. That could only happen. That was special to Donald Trump. Remember, he broke norms. It used to be that that was a place one would go for truth. That was like a confessional. That's where you'd go to level with the people, the White House briefing room. No, 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 no. The truth is wonderful to see, and I can't wait. So now, since she's lying, it's going to now make a liars out of everybody who is defending her right. and defending Biden. So all the people who were so happy to say that Trump is lying, now they're going to have to, and they can't ever exceed any ground or change or evolve in thinking. And like I did and said, of course, Kaylee McEwen and he's lying, because that's what liars do. Her job <laughs> is to be a liar. But now they're going to have to lie all over social media and construct a false existence. That's not what I see. That's not what's happening. That's not what I see. That's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I freaking love it. I am so pleased. I am so excited and giddy by this stuff. And I I love it. I'm sorry. I'm going to love it. I My, I, my stress level is not going to go up whatsoever. Whatsoever. I have some moron who... who I have a lot of morons who <laughs> seemingly wait around for me to tweet something and then jump into action with their day and then wait <laughs> for me to tweet something. A lot of my mute, some of the morons I keep around. Um, and, and you know, saying, oh, you have no leg to stand on after all the line Trump did. Well, let's go. You know what? It's I'm glad you said that. Maybe you're right. Let's start building a case for me as of today. <laughs> and I'll gather the evidence every single day of this pristine and honest and ethical Biden administration. My God, breaking the same norms that you told me were historic offenses just a week ago. I love it. 
And uh, it's, I'm happy because I'm other than I'm pretty I'm almost I'm so bored with politics because it's so unoriginal now. And everybody now has switched sides. <laughs> a lot of the Trump people have now taken one side, and the Biden people. There's like tennis players when they switch the sides of the courts. And so the tennis courts, and now everybody switched sides. And I'm just mm-hmm. so bored with the with these. Haha, your side, uh, uh, you know, lies about this, and my side doesn't. My side lies about that. Your side, and it's so that like the ping pong of the normal back and right. forth. I'm sick of. I'm sick of having idiots say the president bragged about uh, sexual assault or. And, you know, and I, it's, I'm just I'm bored of having to engage with somebody's intellectual laziness or willful uh, mm. dishonesty because they're in a tribe rah, rah, and they're trying to dunk it. And just that, that, that bothers me. I don't need to make anybody else upset on social media. I'm done. I was more of an a-hole when I was younger. Certainly in my 20s, I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to antagonize Clinton <laughs> voters in Massachusetts, which did a lot for my <laughs> love life, I can say. Um and so I, I'm I'm done with that. I'm not I'm not into that. It's boring. Out we talked to. Uh, um, were you not here? Did you you didn't talk to? Did you talk to Doug? You were, no, I wasn't here. I was sick. You that were day. sick. That's right. Okay. So I talked to Doug. Oh, Doug just texted me as I was speaking. Doug the other day. Doug is 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 um, ideologically my opposite completely. He's a, he's a wacko progressive, but he's intellectually as honest as they come, or mm-hmm. pretty close to it. And so I like talking to him. It's interesting to me. You know, I yeah. to to have some uh, some idiot to, to talk to me about, you know, about uh, the fact that you know Trump broke norms in a way that's un uh, that that's unbeknownst before. I mean, I mean, is unprecedented, and you know the things that Trump did in this way are unprecedented. Whatever, and Trump was an odd ducky, and he had a <laughs> this was a bad year, and I'm right there with you. If you want to say that he is since the election, he was terrible. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. But I'm sick of the old haggard <coughs> conversations built based on nothing. But so that's why the joy I extract now is from <laughs> these examples of what is how Washington works mm-hmm. and that were used to show, you know, how Washington works that drove people for the last four years to put on uh, genitalia hats and walk around like Handmaid's Tale and wail and cry and 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 assert their virtue on social media and all other places. I'm enjoying this, and I'm gonna enjoy every freaking second of it because I'm not. I don't care about revenge or retribution or any of that stuff. I can tell you one thing: crazy lefty obsessed people, you've been terrible for the last four years. You've been petulant. You've been hysterical. You've been uh, you, you've been this. You've been full of self pity. You lash out here and there. It's like having a, it's like having a, tens of thousands of more kids, and we've already got two little ones who have tantrums. So you've been terrible. So I'm not going to rub your face in, in in it every day. And I and some of you are very very good people, but I'm going to enjoy some of the stark examples <laughs> of the things that you called out as historically dark events, and it brings me freaking joy. And we're going to start today with uh, with uh, Jen Saki. Who is somebody paid to lie, which I'm fine with. That's the occupation. <laughs> I'm an adult. I realize that's the occupation. You know, I deal with PR people all the time, or I used to deal with them more when I was doing radio stuff. And they're they're paid to pitch me and be full of bleep about a client who's otherwise very boring. They're pitching me uh, on how incredibly extraordinary this client is, and we do the dance. And that's how it works. And I say, you know what? I'll give your client a try. That's uh, sure. That's fine. 
and they, and they booked the client and they asked for the air check and our 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 dalliance is over. And I understand that the transactional, um, you know, transactional uh, relationships are just how the it's the name of the game, especially if you're doing something that where you got the you know spotlights on you here, and uh, vanity's part of it. That's fine. So I'm gonna we're gonna go to Jen Saki now. Here's what happened yesterday. Joe Biden signed 17 um, executive orders. Uh, and one of them, we'll talk about a few of them. One of them is uh, he signs an executive order that on all federal land, this is this tough federal COVID, COVID uh, regulations, on all federal land and federal property, mm-hmm. uh, the law is that you must wear a mask. This is the law. You must wear a mask, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so At all I, times. At all times, which means if I walk into a post office without a mask, I could be in trouble. A federal authority could come grab me and ask me questions and sit me in dark in a room in a dark <laughs> room, and and who knows? I can't go afoul of the law. That is the new rule. That is mm-hmm. the rule in federal. So he signs his executive order. He and the family jump in the car, take a drive over to the Lincoln Memorial, federal property. Yeah. Get up at the top of the steps, embrace. And have their pictures taken without masks. Just minutes after signing <laughs> it, it's brilliantly done how it was. It's such a brilliant, brilliant, and it just shows you, by the way, how 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 arrogant, and cocky, and sure his administration and the communication team are mm-hmm. that nobody's going to question them on this. It's fine. Yeah. Should he be doing that? Oh, please! It's everybody. The world's so happy. He He's won. important. Yes, the world's happy. He won. So. Uh, unfortunately, well, for the time being, um, the 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 Biden administration allows Fox News into the White House briefing room. Yeah, let's see how long that goes. The right. way today went. Right. So they ask him about um, this situation. Steve Ducey, Peter Peter Ducey, Ducey the son, uh, asks asks Jen Psaki, who also how- calls him Steve. Right, she calls him Steve at some point in this. Asks Jen Psaki how this is possible, and please explain why it's okay for the president to go without a mask on federal property when he just signed an executive order mm-hmm. requiring everybody on federal property to wear masks. Why weren't President Biden and all members of the Biden family masked at all times on federal lands last night if he signed an executive order that mandates masks on federal lands at all times? All right. So there's the question. Mm-hmm. Now, this should be a tough one for her. You know, a lot of times it was tough for Kaylee McEnany and the others to handle uh, to handle questions about President Trump's behavior. Mm-hmm. This should be a tough one for her, but she should have an answer. you got to have an answer for this. Yeah, somebody must have thought of this in the administration that they were going to be asked Exactly. This. So here we go, Jens. Unless, of course, you think, screw it, nobody's going to, everybody loves us. At the inaugural memorial, yes. I think Steve, he was celebrating uh, an evening uh, of a historic day in our country, and certainly he signed the mask mandate because it's. Hold on. He was celebrating, is the first answer. He was celebrating. Have you ever celebrated? No, I don't think. That no. you can't celebrate. Yeah, but- no. Celebrations are verboten, I thought. It's a way to send a message to the American public about the importance of uh, wearing masks, how it can save. He signed a mask mandate to convey to Americans how important it is to wear the mask, she just said. 
with a straight face. For the general public to wear masks, right. though. With a straight face. It's important. You must know I wear a mask. That's why he signed it. This is what we get. This is as good an answer as we get. He, why did he not wear a mask? Because he signed a mandate to say to wear a mask. Save tens of thousands of lives. We take a number of COVID precautions, as you know, here in terms of testing, social distancing, mask wearing ourselves. Wait a second. I remember just a, six months ago, people giving the Trump people hell about going around and not masking and distancing correctly, and then saying, we take a number of precautions here at the White House. We get tested several times a day. And mm -hmm. that simply wasn't As a matter of fact, Trump was on a balcony, I believe, and removed a mask. And a lot of people felt that even though he was alone on an open-air balcony, that he was setting a really bad example, symbolically, by not wearing a mask. To the extent where one channel broke away and said, we can't show this. Don't show this. It's going to kill people. As, as we do every single day. But I don't know that I have more for you on it than... Apparently not every single day. I don't know that I have more for on it for you. That's all I have for you. I mean, make. Take I don't know what else to tell you about it, but no. I mean, doesn't it just show that like rules don't apply to Democrats? If you everybody I has would, to wear a mask unless you're in a Black Lives Matter protest, I would or say, unless you're celebrating a historic inauguration or anything that's important to us, then the rules just that doesn't. No, uh, Gavin Newsom had a very important birthday party, a friend's fiftieth to go to. The plates were like. A few hundred dollars a person. It's not. That's like not the kind of thing you just skip. So, that's really important. So know? is the virus deadly or is it not deadly? I can't seem to understand this because I'm told by these people that it's very deadly. It seems to me four hundred thousand is a is a big number. Mm -hmm. I think uh, four hundred thousand didn't Trump kill more than in most foreign wars. That's what I'm told. Right. Yeah. I mean, the problem is the left can't handle a nuanced position like something is deadly and. Also, we're going to have to take managed risks and make decisions about how much risk we're willing to take on on an individual level. That's that's too complex a position for them, you know. It because it is it is a dangerous virus. That's true. But, yes, but you know everybody has to take in the information about how much do masks help and decide to what degree when you're by yourself in the open air mm -hmm. that that's like a really important thing to do uh, you know so but the idea that americans can make that decisions isn't something that democrats believe they don't think and that there's that's also a possible... something there's also something very hell i already won the election mm -hmm. what are they going to do but as uh, joe biden often talks about uh, it is not just important the uh, example of power, but the power of our example. Was that a good example for people who are watching who might not pay attention? Uh, yes, no question. Well, Steve, I think uh, the power of his example is... He continues to be Peter, as she calls him Steve, <laughs> by the way. Also, uh, the message he sends by si signing 25 executive orders, including um, almost half of them related to COVID, uh, the requirements that we're all under every single day here to ensure we're sending that message to the public. Yesterday... Well... So it does her mask on while she's saying this, by the way? No, it's not. But it's not a bad point. But also... We do it every day because it's influential on the public. Well, mm -hmm. then doesn't that make it even worse than on the day where he's probably the most exposed to the, the most eyes yes, of the outside <laughs> world, then maybe that day you do it?
It was a historic moment in our history. Historic. He was inaugurated as president of the United States. He was surrounded by his family. We take careless, so careless, killing people, killing mm-hmm. people. You know what? As of tomorrow, I'm not wearing a mask. If he didn't have to at the Lincoln Memorial, right. that tells me that there's no reason right. to. Well, he already did the work, honey. He already ordered us to. That was the important thing. It's not about him wearing a mask. That doesn't make a big difference. He he already did the work, honey. Didn't you hear her say that he signed the executive order to tell us to wear a mask? So that's hmm. his work's done. You remind me of a good story. Take a number of precautions, but I don't think I think we have big bigger issues to to worry about at this moment in time. Go ahead, Anita. Bigger issues to worry about. <laughs> What's the bigger issue than COVID? Isn't that one of the big ones? I would think so. I would think so. And, you know, whenever you say that to a liberal, like, because they're upset about pronouns or something, then it, it, maybe there's bigger issues. They always say, like, well, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Maybe we can do more than one thing at once. Right. But, I mean, you raise a good point. Even if we are prioritizing time, which most of us do, you would think that, I mean, it was important enough for him to sign a mandate making this a law in his first few hours as president. So, But it's not important enough for him to follow it? Oh, by the way, Alice, I have another concern about this. Okay. He went from the White House over to the Lincoln Memorial mm-hmm. during COVID, without a mask, with all that security, etc. It seems to me mm-hmm. that that was a photo op. Oh, photo point. ops are very problematic. And he was probably in a vehicle sealed in with Secret Service members who had barely any protection from him huffing out potential COVID molecules all over them. That's a great point. He was putting for law enforcement op. at the risk. The thing for that a Donald Trump op. invented, <laughs> Biden's using. You mentioned. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Uh, let me go to Jeff and because I already went to you. If that's okay. Jeff, thanks very much. Now um, that I didn't answer your question, Steve. <laughs> Saki took another question on the Keystone Pipeline. So if you don't know, Joe Biden has, uh, with an executive order, ended the building of the Keystone Pipeline, which is just about 10,000 construction jobs um, for the time being, immediately deleted in the time of COVID with our economy like it is right now. If for what reason? Nobody knows because the Keystone Pipeline is greener than trucking and, and taking trains right. in to carry the product to the Gulf of Mexico. But it was killed as a nod to the wacko left mm-hmm. that I'm symbolically willing to strangle out, uh, you know, a perfectly healthy, uh, you know, a prized child of the right for you. Even though it's cleaner than the alternative, as a symbol, we're willing to end this. Is it natural gas? Is that what the Keystone Pipeline carries? Like? I don't know. It's oh, okay. Little... I was just curious. Um, but, but it's, I don't think so because it spills. Right. Um, well, liquid pipeline? natural gas LNG, like that's like the LNG tanker. I don't even know what the Keystone Pipeline carries. To be honest with you, I know that I know that it carries it to the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Well, pipeline like I know in Massachusetts. Gas. Hold on, I'll find this okay, out. Okay. Okay. Um, because I know that, for example, in um, so I'm seeing that it's called oil infrastructure so maybe it is oil because i know that like in massachusetts we don't get in oil pipeline yes yeah so we don't get here any of the benefits of all the fracking lowering the prices of natural gas because we don't bring it in cheaply here so we end up every winter heating prices spike insanely in massachusetts because um 
all the the power plants end up running on um on like other less green things like oil right. because we can't bring in enough natural gas to meet demand. This is also something, of course, this is a Canadian project. This is something that's favored and loved by Justin Trudeau. The good progressives in Canada like this pipeline. Right. These are more uh, radical environmentalists than we have down here. But no, that's dead. That's fine. Jen Psaki is asked about this in another um, moment of reporting today. Uh, getting people back to work will be uh, his top priority. On that note, the follow-up question has to do with people going to work. You still excel the decision uh, yesterday from the president. What, what would you say to those who have lost their job or will lost their job as a result of that decision? What, what would the message from the president and the White House be? The message of... So this is good. What's the message for the 10,000 people with families, maybe, mm -hmm. loved ones um, who are also dealing with COVID losses, etc.? What's your message to those people whose livelihoods now have been deleted immediately? The president and the White House would be that he is uh, committed. His record will show shows the American people that he's committed to uh, clean energy jobs, uh, to jobs that are not only good high-paying jobs, uh, union jobs, uh, but ones that are also... So is he replacing all those people? Is he hiring all those people for clean energy work immediately? Is that what's happening? Is that the message? Well, I would think so, because I don't think their uh, landlords that... or the mortgage companies, the banks, are going to wait to get their mortgage payments so until a Green New Deal passes. I would so hope I would that hope he'd that... hire them I mean, and make them whole immediately. <laughs> He's committed, because the message to those people... The, the message to you, if you have, suddenly have no paycheck and you have a rent and mortgage mm -hmm. and all that stuff too, is, well, yeah, true. I'm not making any more dollars per week, but, I mean, the president is committed to green jobs. Good for our environment. He thinks it's possible to do both. Uh, he led an effort uh, when he was the vice president uh, to put millions of people to work uh, with those both of those priorities in mind, and he will continue to do that. As he led an effort. Good. Remember Solyndra? Mm -hmm. Remember the effort, the mm -hmm. effort, the disastrous <laughs> green initiatives that the Biden Obama uh, presidency uh, led. Mm -hmm. The effort that was supposed to uh, result in green shoots of uh, new jobs of recovery, summer mm -hmm. of recovery, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, oh, right. two thousand eleven, mm -hmm. two thousand twelve. By two thousand thirteen, there were first signs of recovery. He led right. an effort. The effort right. failed. It was a giveaway. Did you see Buttigieg answer the same question today in the Senate? No, I do have I do have Buttigieg who we'll talk about um, in a moment here. Hold because one. He, he, Ted Cruz asked him the same question, and he essentially said pretty much the same thing. Is uh, Ted Cruz asked him today, what do you say to those workers whose jobs have just been eliminated by a presidential edict? And Buttigieg said, I think one of the most important things to make sure that we make good on the promise of the president's climate vision as being one that on net creates far more jobs, millions, we hope. So there, there you go. go. He hopes that you know it will what? create You're more out jobs. Of work. <laughs> Tough luck, but you know what? The world respects us again. <laughs> you know, we get back to getting gift bags and Davos. If Joe you're Biden has a vision, so I hope that President, your kids. Uh, but he had opposed the Keystone Pipeline back in 2013 uh, when it was... And times haven't changed at all. It's not like there's a major pandemic going to come on us or anything like that. It's not as if every job matters right now. No, it's 2013 again. Uh, when, when there was a consideration of the permit or... Sorry, I don't think it was 2013. I think it was a little bit after that. Uh, and he's been consistent in his view, and he was delivering on a promise he made to the American public during the campaign. Um, go ahead all the way in the back. Thank you. I wanted to ask you about... Yeah. Oh. There's one more question. Ow. My leg. Sorry. 
Another question that she actually received, I think this might have been the first presser she had yesterday, I thought was a very important uh, question. And this is the kind of thing. Do they, this is how you know, you really know that the press is back. A letter note, uh, will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today, um, given the number of executive actions, orders, the inauguration, a few things happening. Um, I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it in here tomorrow. I bet you they did. So there mm-hmm. you go. That's from the White House briefing room, where honesty is finally back, and transparency is back, and, uh, you know, all is well again. Thank God norms are back. Right. On another... Um you know, fashion, color, design note. Um, the news has been reporting that Jill Biden wore a dress yesterday adorned with flowers from every U.S. state. It took up to two hours to embroider each flower, each state's flower. And the flower from Delaware was over her heart. So there was more important reporting on that as well. So That's nice. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, I'm a subscriber, so I hope that next week will be the third consecutive Kamala Harris Vogue cover. <laughs> Uh, let's hear from Pete Buttigieg. He was, um, he had a hearing today to confirm him as the Department of Transportation Secretary. Is that correct, Alice? Secretary of Transportation? Mm -hmm. Secretary of Transportation. Like all of the other Avengers, uh, who are assuming roles in the Biden cabinet, he hit a, um, familiar theme. It's funny how this theme runs through every single department, regardless of uh, what their focus is supposedly supposed to be. At their worst, misguided policies and missed opportunities in transportation can reinforce racial and economic inequality by dividing or isolating neighborhoods and undermining government's basic role of empowering Americans to thrive. Well, thank God. That's what I want. When I'm driving mm-hmm. through the bridge, uh, over a bridge, I always wonder uh, what kind of social justice endeavors went into securing it. Right. I think all the countries that everyone always points out are eating our lunch when it comes to really incredible building projects and all these countries like in the Arab world, like Dubai and stuff that are making these like crazy construction projects and futuristic things and China's building islands and Europe has these ridiculously fast trains and everything and everyone's like why can't America build things like this you know what the problem is maybe we just weren't thinking about diversity enough right I think that's what we're missing that's, I, that's why I think we need to build back better now. <laughs> um, mm. so uh, the president himself in the Oval Office was asking he gave a COVID update and he was asked a question. Somebody, one of the reporters asked him uh, if uh, if the 100 million vaccines in 100 days was all that aggressive, considering that's pretty much what the Trump uh, goal was and pretty much what they were on pace for. Mm-hmm. It's actually a fairly modest yeah. goal. And this is how he, Joe Biden, who respects the press, the First Amendment, the fifth column, freedom of the press, is uh, needed. It's a pillar of our democracy. And this is how Biden uh, handled that question. Thank you, guys. Far higher than basically where the U.S. is right now. When I announced it, you all said it's not possible. Come on, give me a break, man. Come on, you guys. Good start. Thank you. Let's go, Chris. Let's go. Come on, you guys. Let's go. Out they go. Go, press. Go, firefighters, first responder, press, get the hell out of the room. Go, you're done. No more questions for him, absolutely. Stop. Turn your cameras off. Get the freak out of the room. It's over. Thank you. Well, there you have Joe Biden giving his first give me a break, man, from the Oval Office. Right. Historic. Not going to be the last give me a break, man, from the Oval Office. Man, he's so respectful to the press. It's so good Mm -hmm. to have transparency and 
truth back in the oval. Speaking of, of transparency and truth, um, the International Fact Checking Network, factcheck.net, uh, which brings together dozens of verification projects from around the world, including Agence France Press, Fact Check, has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, good. Fact checkers good. nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2021. Good. Well, I hope Daniel Dale gets one for himself as well. I hope so. Speaking I mean, of about fa- time somebody recognized the heroic work Speaking that they Speaking of factual media, you mm-hmm. probably remember from back in the uh, summer or late spring, mm-hmm. Ali Velshi, as there was a plume of fire behind him because a thuggish mob uh, had terrorized a city after the George Floyd killing. And uh, destroyed cars, lit buildings on fire, totally trashed and burned a police station, and then scores of businesses. Ali Velshi walked around uh, live on the air with plumes of uh, fire behind him, describing the events as this. I I, want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. The fires have been started, and and discount people who are doing things to public property that that they shouldn't be doing. It does have to be understood that this city has got uh, for the last several years an issue with police. Yes, it's a totally legit protest that's happening. It's not, <laughs> yes, sure, they should be doing stuff with private property they shouldn't be doing, like stealing it, breaking it, lighting it on fire. Sure. See, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, going after attacking the law enforcement uh, station as well. Sure. I wouldn't say that that's violent, violent. It's still mostly people. So he's got this war zone behind him. Mm-hmm. And th- that area is still destroyed in many Yeah. Areas. I mean, well, the people had insurance, so. Right. Fine. Well, right. And um, so they were so intent on making us know that this was about racism and this mm-hmm. was important and good and productive that uh, that was his reporting. And they all did it. Don Lemon did it. Every leftist outlet did it and pretended that the carnage and the destruction of neighborhoods of marginalized people wasn't happening because they wanted to move the Marxist progressive Black Lives Matter uh, mainstream. And they won. It did. It happened. They got it. You know, you got people in Wakefield and Melrose and this mm-hmm. is Massachusetts and Wellesley, you know, all good, running to the middle of the town, making their avatars black and taking a knee and raising a Black Lives Matter, uh, black power fist and you know, reciting whatever the leaders of the movement wanted them to recite so they could feel good about themselves. Well, the neighborhoods were destroyed. But for some reason, Ali Velshi now mm-hmm. has been dogged, I guess, by the never-ending amount of internet memes showing <coughs> him in front of the fire behind in front of the fireball, talking about the mostly peaceful mm-hmm. protests. I think. Well, the I Chi- think the Chiron, the Chiron said says it too. that in mostly pe- peaceful protests, fiery but mostly <coughs> peaceful. Right. Well, so it it. Eventually got to him. So yesterday, Ali Velshi, uh, and on what seems like a non sequitur segment, mm-hmm. um, decides to have this damn moment of truth with you, the viewers, so that he doesn't have to be dogged by this stupid meme that follows him everywhere and that is actually perfect. <laughs> so now he explains to us what he was thinking Mm-hmm. While he appeared to be covering up for violence um, in support of a progressive cause that he believed in and wanted to see succeed. 
On the night of Thursday, May 28th, I was standing in front of a burning liquor store at the corner of East Lake Street <laughs> and Minnehaha Avenue in Minneapolis. Three days had passed since the killing of George Floyd by police, and I'd been at that intersection for six hours watching and reporting on the frustration growing. I talked about it for 90 seconds. I described the scene in detail. He was reporting on the frustration growing. <gasps> That's what was happening there. It wasn't total chaos. He carnage. was just coincidentally Oof. standing in front of a burning liquor right. store, which I think which is a is thing that happens on Washa Washa Wapa Avenue in <laughs> Minnehaha. Yes, in in Minnesota. Hail to my colleague Brian Williams, who is anchoring in New York City, and I was concerned that the impression a viewer might get from watching a police station overcome and a building's burning was that of a riot. Wow, oh. <laughs> Jesus. Seems like a valid concern to me. I didn't want them to think that things were on fire and there was a riot happening around right. me as personal property was destroyed. The neighborhood was completely demolished by these hooligans. I didn't want them to think that. Well, thank you, Ali, for looking out for us like that. Right? I mean, doesn't that just... Does he not realize that that's exactly what everyone thought he was right. doing? Isn't isn't he giving us the reason why he should be fired? <laughs> I had I mean, to lie to you. I didn't want you to think, I didn't want you to believe what, what you were seeing without a filter. Think, so I was just trying to filter it for you. Why did he think he was a meme, if not for exactly that reason? Right. Now, this is a meme. Or that Minneapolis itself was burning. No. And it wasn't. So I want. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> itself, every square tectonic plate of the city was not on fire. Not everything burned. Right. Right. Yes to emphasize that there had been and remained an overwhelming majority of the protesters who were peaceful and not participating in any violence. So he didn't say that. Oh. No. It, what happened was there was a huge fire and uh, in chaos everywhere and mm -hmm. a riot happening and that's what everybody saw. Well, I also wouldn't want to give people the impression that at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th that just because, you know, a few people were stealing important artifacts and uh, objects of national security importance from congressional offices and a few people were breaking into glass windows with zip ties to capture members of Congress and a few people were chanting, hang Mike Pence. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people to get the mistaken impression no. that the vast majority of people were violent because the vast majority of people were just... Standing around peacefully outside, you know that that's that, so that would be a false impression. Then I mean, do they realize how they sound when they say that? Do they not like? I just don't. It's too beautiful, Alice. Enjoy it. It's too beautiful. It that's is. right. There's hardly anybody had antlers. I did for about twenty seconds after my minute and a half report, and that twenty seconds is the only part of several days of reporting that the right wing media continues to circulate. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty. That's the most beautiful. Right. 20 seconds. Right. I mean, the uh, the whole thing with the fire, and I think he has a gas mask like right. uh, uh, around his <laughs> At neck. At some and point, he gets hit by just... a rubber bullet in the leg, which is priceless, too. <laughs> it's just, I mean, so, but it just keeps that, me oh, that oh, he's oh, like, way, I want to clarify something. <laughs> it's not that I was trying to cover up the fact or make some kind of weird excuse for the fact that a bunch of buildings were on fire and I'm wearing a gas mask and it looks like the apocalypse around me. It's just that I was trying to uh, explain to you that it's not really what it looked like uh, or something. Like, he just, it's absolutely exactly, he just confirmed the yes. meme. 
by yes. clarifying that it's not. I, I don't. Right. But and I'm just said, confused. Why does he think people are sharing it? And so people in the right wing media, it's some members of the right wing media, mm-hmm. obviously <clears throat> rigid ideologues who see fire and pandemonium <clears throat> as a way to make a point. Whereas he tries to see fire and pandemonium and filter it to make his own point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It's remarkable. In fact, by late in the presidential campaign, an inaccurate blending of the events of those days became a regular laugh line for Donald Trump, who repeatedly told rallygoers some version of this. Yes, Ellie, because it was freaking <laughs> hilarious. A bunch of people did it. Yours was the best because you had the audacity, the audacity to be such an absurd human being that you're telling people who see a mushroom cloud behind you that nothing's going on here. It's unusual, Ali. Especially... I mean, the vast majority of Japan was unharmed by the nuclear bombs that went off. You know, it's really... You wouldn't want people to get the false impression that the bombs were, like, really destructing all of the country. You wouldn't right. want... Right. If you're the guy in front of the Hindenburg who's doing the report while the humanity, you could talk about the two golden retrievers frolicking in front of you while it's happening... It would seem to be a little bit dishonest, considering there's an incredible I- explosion behind I you. I know, a lot of London was still standing after the Blitz. Uh, it really, you know, wasn't as big a deal as people are making out to be. I mean, a few buildings, yes, were flattened, but not all of them, not even close to all of them. ...story about how the media embraced, downplayed, and encouraged violence. Yeah, yeah. Wait, is this... Is he actually working for Fox News now? Is that what this is? Because this is so... Incredibly enlightening. It's so full of honest content. He's not leaving anything in the. This is brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. That 20 second clip of my reporting, without the context, made its way to the floor of Congress as part of a hearing. But here's the truth. Yes, that's right, because it was extraordinary. <laughs> what was the context? Oh, the context is that it was exactly what it looked like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, who knew? Yeah, it was sure. There was a liquor store in flames. Fine. That's not violence. Most of the media did not excuse or condone violence. Not at all. Not at all. He's a guy who didn't excuse or condone it. He simply spun it as not happening. No, there's no violence. Doesn't matter. What do you mean? This is not. No, this is not violence. But they sure as hell did. Uh, look the other way again and again and again. Mm-hmm. They also denied it. They said, nope, it's not happening. Nope, or said not. it was worth it. Or said, yes, there was some carnage, but they're right-wing actors who have gone in there. I know, it was neo-Nazis. Some of us, like me, did work hard to contextualize it. And Yeah, we know that, Ali. We know that's why you're famous right now. <laughs> there is a distinction between the violent protests and protests that have violence. Wait, what is oh, the distinction? Oh, beautiful. There just is. Well, in one, the V comes before the P. In the second iteration, it, the protests that become violent, the P is before the I'm going to take a guess that maybe the difference is in the ideological alignment of the cause and whether or not Ali Velshi agrees with the cause. Right. Uh, I would say so. There's a difference. 
Incredible. Well, I just so what's I the... find it so shocking because so and at the time people called this out because all of these positions are so ideologically inconsistent. Simultaneously, we have Kamala Harris saying we need to bail out the people who did these things. And then we have also people saying it was actually just neo-Nazis who did it. And then we have people saying you're not allowed to criticize anything bad that happens at these protests because it's the language of the unheard. I mean, if you're a left-wing data researcher who uh, cites the data of a black data scientist saying that riots are counterproductive in achieving your political aims, then then you have to be fired because that's that offensive. You know, if you happen to say riots are bad or looting is bad... I mean, there was a media star who cannot be named in Boston who uh, was erased permanently memory hold because he uh, made jokes about looting being bad. He didn't say anything <laughs> about black lives, about <laughs> cops. About he just said looting was bad and he's now off the face of the earth. What's the difference between a mushroom cloud with flames rising in the air 100 feet during a violent protest ver- versus a mushroom cloud with flames during a protest that's violent. Is there a difference in the in the heat index? Um I guess maybe so the best possible I'm trying to like put myself in his head here and think what maybe he's thinking. My guess is it's different setting a building on fire is different if there are more peaceful people standing around outside. Okay, but he had neither of those. (laughs) Now, critics wonder, why is there widespread revulsion at the violence at the Capitol when I and others have spent months trying to say that violence can be a necessary part of protest? Well, for starters, the Capitol... I I don't know how many people saying... Okay, I I see what he's saying. Yeah. ...is not a liquor store. (laughs) No, it's actually uh, less important to me because it's not somebody's private property that they worked hard for somebody's small business who quite likely in those neighborhoods was a minority person who owned that small business that's now up in flames and destroyed their livelihood that's the point is that the capital is not a liquor store because the capital is standing the liquor store is now ash So one is there now, one is gone forever. Rabbi Yossi Levine of the Manhattan Jewish Center sent that line in a message to his congregants about the attack, saying of the Capitol, quote, when someone breaks its windows, it's not criminal mischief. It's an assault on democracy and decency. And that is the point. (laughs) There's nothing that says decent, like uh, destroying a liquor store, storming law enforcement who are civil servants who are there Mm -hmm. to protect our democracy. So I would say that's an assault on democracy. democracy, Considering now people in these uh, neighborhoods don't have a police station and don't have a police presence in many of these neighborhoods. Right. Violence must always be understood in context. (laughs) So when we do it, it's good. When you do it, it's bad. Right. The anti-apartheid movement, the civil rights movement, the Indian independence campaign. Any violence at all that fights injustice is violence with meaning behind it. Can he say this? (laughs) I mean... I believe that's condoning violence. I think that's what some of our friends call saying the quiet part out loud, isn't it? Our violence against you is good. Our violence is good. Your violence is bad because that's you fighting back against us and you're on the wrong side of history. Got it? Incredible. Who let him do this? Born of the failure of other means and methods of redress. Ah. Ah. I mean, but don't they see, 
like he's literally saying these <coughs> words. Don't they see that that's what the stop the steal people and the Q people and everybody heard him saying it all, and all his friends in the media all summer long saying, yeah, well, see, you know, these are the, this is the voice of the voiceless. These are the language of the unheard. These people have tried to get justice every way they can and they just can't. So you have a bunch of people who think that justice is being denied them and, you know, that that they're on the side of right because they do think that obviously. And you tell them that violence is acceptable. If you don't think that your concerns are being fully heard and you know, and then they go do that. Well, well, so obviously the capital violence was stupid, but if you're unheard, the in mostly your de- peaceful violence you're at the capital, unheard in your now. democracy <clears throat> to take it up with Congress makes more sense than to be unheard in your neighborhood, and so to trash the neighborhood businesses and burn them down. Right. The killing of Ahmad Arbery by white vigilantes in Georgia and of George Floyd by... Nim- Led directly to the torching of the police station in Minneapolis. Minneapolis police are facts authenticated and witnessed on video by millions. Which is why all the private property in minority neighborhoods and marginalized neighborhoods had to be destroyed and stolen and all the businesses had to be destroyed. Because that population in marginalized neighborhoods has been mistreated by cops. So since they were mistreated by cops, we then destroy the business in the communities mistreated by cops. Makes a lot of sense, Ali. Violence that means to spread democracy and injustice and encourage fairness in the application of the rule of law has nothing at all in common with the wanton anti-democratic riots of January 6th, fueled by Donald Trump and QAnon conspiracy theories of an election that was stolen. Wonderful. Wonderful. That sick man makes a lot of money to be a disseminator of the truth for people. I mean, I don't see. I like I try not to get radicalized by this stuff. I really do. But, you know, when you have the unbiased hero media telling us that only left wing violence is good, explicitly saying left wing violence is a good thing. It's a good thing for violence to happen in the cause of social justice, but your violence on your side is bad. Like, I don't know how anybody can hear that and not go, hmm, maybe it's time for me to go out and buy firearms and stock up on ammo. Like, because it, I mean, it's seriously, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous Mm -hmm. saying, you know, we're on two different sides and violence is good for my side to use. Right. And and four years ago, when you had the inauguration of uh, Donald Trump mm-hmm. and the violence was on the streets of Washington, who also set fires and destroyed stuff and broke store windows and raised hell by Antifa, mm-hmm. the left wing media left it alone, was disinterested completely. Four years later, that Antifa now uh, is regularly causing violence and mayhem around the country. And only recently have they even suggested that there is actually a group called Antifa. Biden says it's an idea, says it's still not a group. Mm -hmm. You know, other morons say that Antifa means anti-fascist, so that's as far as we need to look into it. If you had looked at the inauguration in 2017, there were Antifa flags, and the media Mm -hmm. never bothered to even learn their names, the the name of the group. They were totally disinterested. Now Antifa is back in Portland, Uh and now they're raising hell again. They they destroyed a Democratic uh, Party office or whatever. And now they're singing a different tune. That's Bleep Joe Biden, they're saying. Bleep Joe Biden. 
So it's going to be very interesting to see now, since now Antifa, mm-hmm. it was fine because they believed that they didn't have any redress for all their problems that they faced under the iron fist of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It was fine for them to destroy things then because they were acting out because, you know, much like with uh, in South Africa and all the other places Al mm-hmm. Gilshi told us about, they had no redress for their complaints. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting now that now they're waging war against Joe Biden. If suddenly Antifa finds itself enfranchised by the media, suddenly they might become a thing. And won't that be interesting? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how much they become a thing or... I mean, if Joe Biden were who Joe Biden was even like five years ago... You know, I would think that we were dealing with, like, just a regular Washington establishment moderate guy who's just going to continue the same, like, Obama stuff and everything and the same, essentially, the Trump stuff. Like, the ICE facilities in Portland, they marched on an ICE facility. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now they're Biden's ICE facilities. And nothing's really going to change. But... Joe Biden doesn't really have his A game anymore, and it remains a question how much he's going to be pushed around by the far left on policies like this. Certainly Kamala would be in a second if it were President Harris and people were marching and chanting that about her on an ICE facility. She'd probably close all the ICE facilities the next day, you know, because she cares a lot about woke points. Right. You know, it's a great point, and and I'm glad you mentioned it because it brings me to ICE and um, immigration. Mm -hmm. So you sent me this, Alice. This is very good. Jacob Soboroff is uh, talking to Nicole Wallace. Mm -hmm. So since Biden signed some immigration executive orders, including stopping deportations for about 77,000 will probably be stopped. These are – Deportations of people who have been adjudicated through the justice system who right. need to leave. Biden's stopping it as a nod because he's a pandering, destructive person. <laughs> so, um, so, so Jacob Soboroff, who's a reporter for good progressive reporter for MSNBC, mm-hmm. runs down to the border near Tijuana, does his stand up, and it's very interesting. I don't think he meant to do it, but with their with his stand up shot that shows the border. He makes some observations that I found, that we found very um, interesting. I want to show you something. Take a look down here. There are two, I'm no construction expert, but there are two construction vehicles um, that have been doing grading along what's called the all-weather road down here. Um, They have been at work all day long, uh, along with other vehicles back in this direction, um, which I want to show you as well, out to this uh, to the, I guess that would be the west, is the Pacific Ocean. That's Tijuana. This is Colonia Libertad, um, a community inside Tijuana in Mexico. This border wall that you're looking at right here was built by the Trump administration. I've reported from here during three different presidential. By the Trump administration. And if you see the border wall, it's actually two walls with a road in between them. It's a mm-hmm. huge, robust, great looking wall. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's very interesting. That the media has never bothered to show us the this progress on the wall before. I think it's probably the first time this border wall has ever crossed the lips of an MSNBC no, or CNN reporter on site. The only reason they're doing it is because Biden signed an executive order to stop the building of it. Right. But now we're getting there, you know, there by happenstance reporting on a wall being built. Yeah, that's so- now stopping. Right. <laughs> administrations for us on MSNBC during the Obama administration. I was told by Border Patrol officials we managed with what we have out here. 
during the Trump administration. They built this, both the primary and the secondary fencing, despite what I was told during the Obama administration. The mm -hmm. posture changed completely. The sector chief here told me that he believed our coverage of family separations was a made-for-television drama, and he was promoted to become the head of the Border Patrol. Now... What an interesting story that would have been nice to know when it was happening. President Biden, on his first day in office, is halting all construction. What I've been told today by local officials on the ground, Nicole, is that folks in, in those earth movers uh, are literally waiting on word from sector headquarters who will hear from Washington, D.C. about what to do. Are they going to put the finishing touches on this all-weather road or do they pack up um, and just go home? Those are the types of questions now on the ground they have to answer. And that's just one of these immigration executive orders. He's uh, uh, changing the way that ICE goes into communities in the interior, halting the aggressive practices of the Trump administration. The executive practices of following the law that the legislature passed. So imagine, if you will, an alternate reality where the media in October had been at the border saying, Look at this border wall, this sturdy construction with the road in between and these two large walls that have been built now under the Trump administration. Biden pledges to sign an executive order his first day in office that will halt construction on this wall. Do you think that might have changed people's perceptions of the reality of the Trump administration at all? Yeah, and it, it, absolutely. And I think we're going to see more and more of these. We've already It's already just been one day. Mm -hmm. And the spigot has been opened now, and all of these enlightening, uh, you know, truths are coming to are coming to fore, and it's mm -hmm. very interesting, and I love it. And the 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 thing is that the media is forced to report this stuff. They don't mean to tout right. Trump; they mean to denigrate him. But Biden's executive orders are putting them in situations mm -hmm. where we, just like with Ali Velshi, are being. Bearing witness to all this stuff. We're <laughs> right. seeing it because it's still a visual medium. Um, Anthony Fauci, who's the most incompetent. Oh, well, you know, he's competent at staying employed by the federal government. Um, but he is such an incompetent. Uh, he is back with Jen Psaki. <laughs> she brought him out today, even though we were told uh, in due to, by some reporting that the entire vaccination approach, the entire battle against COVID essentially had to be restarted because it had fallen flat under Trump. Yeah, unnamed sources told CNN unnamed reporter MJ and, Lee right. that um, that the Biden administration had to start from scratch when it came to distributing the COVID vaccine because there was absolutely no plan whatsoever for vaccine distribution. There was nothing to rework, nothing to change, nothing to fix. They had to start completely from scratch because there was nothing uh, happening right. for a vaccine distribution under Trump. Right. And then Fauci said, no, that's not true. We've been doing stuff. And then... And then reporter MJ Lee from CNN, White House correspondent, came back and uh, tweeted at her colleague Phil Mattingly from CNN, um, who said that Fauci, you know, contradicted this reporting. Uh, MJ Lee tweeted and uh, said that um, Fauci... Uh, she said Fauci, a um, Trump holdover, a holdover from the Trump administration, said about the previous administration's vaccine distributions efforts, you can't say it was absolutely not usable at all. So now he's a holdover from the Trump administration yeah, because he wasn't in on torpedoing Trump's effort. <coughs> I mean, uh, uh, the media's effort to show that Trump was totally inept at this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so he swipes the story down. So she takes a shot at him for good measure. That's Trump holdover. 
Anthony Fauci. That's great. So Fauci had his normal giddy news for us. Final question. You had said that most people will be vaccinated by the middle of 2021. Is that still your expectation? Yes, it is. I mean, I, I believe that the, the goal that was set by the president of getting 100 million people vaccinated in the first 100 days is quite a reasonable goal. And when you get to the point, and, and one of the things that, that I think is, is something we need to pay attention to, and I, quite frankly, have been spending a considerable amount of my own time, is outreaching, particularly to minority communities, to make sure that you get them to be vaccinated and you explain why it's so important for themselves, their family, and their community. If we get 70 to 85 percent of the country vaccinated, let's say by the end of the summer, middle of the summer, I believe by the time we get to the fall, we will be approaching a degree of normality. So there we go. Perfectly normal, but one that Not I think will normal. take a lot of pressure off the American yeah, degree public. Degree of no- normality <clears throat> in the fall. Not mm-hmm. not totally. Approaching normal. one. Yes. That, so don't think that that Thanksgiving is a goal for next year. It is not. Um, another question for Fauci. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how free, how much different do you feel, less constrained? What is the... Since he, he was uh, liberated out of Trump's uh, dungeon uh, where he was shackled with the um, Iron Maiden uh, by the liberating uh, Biden Avengers, the Trump, the press wants to know how it feels to be set free suddenly. You know, I mean, you, you for so many times you stood up behind the podium with Donald Trump standing behind you. That was a different that was a different feeling, I sh- I'm, I'm sure, than it is today. Can you talk a little bit about about. Can you just talk a little bit about how much of an a-hole Trump was, please, for us? How you feel uh, kind of released from from what you had been doing for the last year? Yeah, but you said I was joking about it. I was very serious <laughs> about it. I wasn't joking. Um, no, actually, I mean, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be going back, you know, over history. But it was very clear that there were things that were said, uh, be it regarding things like hydroxychloroquine and other things like that, that really was an uncomfortable because they were not based on scientific fact. Fair enough. Fair enough. You got the president just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having a creative session with himself in front of the press, you know, having these these uh, fanciful dalliances uh, with theories, etc. I could see how that would make you uncomfortable. I can tell you, I, I take no pleasure at all in being in a situation of contradicting the president. So it was really something that you didn't feel that you could actually say something and there wouldn't be any repercussions about it. The idea that you can get up here and talk about what you know, what the evidence, what the science is, and know that's it. Let the science speak. It is somewhat of a liberating feeling. Basically. The idea that he can actually say the truth is a liberating feeling. So the whole time, because he was afraid to that he wouldn't be saving face for the president, he withheld truth that he thought would upset Trump, and he didn't correct Trump. I don't want to make him look bad. I realize that would kill a bunch of people, but, you know. So he didn't feel, then he shouldn't have been doing the job. If he couldn't do the job because Trump's a jerk, right. withholding information, your job is not to, you're not a, a fluff man for the president. Your job <laughs> is to do stuff that saves people's lives and to give advice and information and facts regardless of what the jerk next to you thinks. No, but of course, you know why he didn't do it else? Uh, why? Because that's what he does for a living. Fauci <laughs> remains employed 
by administrations. That's mm-hmm. what he does. That's his main goal. It's not epidemiology crap. So he That's is a Trump thing. holdover. Well, but he's also now he's on to Biden. So he's happy. To, he'll stab Trump if the Biden <laughs> wants him to. That's fine. And when President uh, Nikki Haley comes in a few years, he's going to stab Biden move over to Nikki Haley. He's got a great gig. That's the meaning of the gig. So that reminds me of the meaning of the gig. When me and Michael Graham used to work at a radio station, mm-hmm. and it was 96.9 Boston Talks, there were some people who really who got it. And obviously, in a, in a radio station, salespeople hustle. Other occupations in radio station, Michael Graham and I never understood. When we would get there at 7 in the morning or a few hours before the show, we would be intense, intense looking for topics, looking for sound, looking for stuff. We'd have loud debates with each other, mm-hmm. which is kind of acted as a practice for the show. Right. On topics with this and that. But we were, we were just flat out working, trying to find stuff so that the show is populated. It's intense. We, we, um, you know, we didn't have time. People like people go to lunch. We didn't have time to go to lunch. Mm-hmm. It was always working, working, working. You can tell you, like the guy, you know, who worked with me, Christian, you know, I used to get into the Graham show at the end of the intro because I was looking for sound up to the, Past, six past the hour, up and the music would start playing. I'm still looking for sound, still down on my desk. And I'd get up there and with a second to spare, sometimes I'd be a little late. We were always flat out because we were trying to make the show better and better and better. We were right. doing, um, we were doing, um, um, stuff on the fly. We were doing, uh, you know, intro uh, editing, sound editing, multi track editing, et cetera, on mm-hmm. the fly constantly. Doing stuff and working, working, working to try to make sure that the sound sounded great, et cetera. Eventually, the stuff that our sound that we worked on, et cetera, was used. All the other shows loved it because they, mm-hmm. they, they, we were super motivated to try to win. Super. I was my first real producer job, and he was in a big market, and we wanted to win. We wanted to make that station in our time slot awesome. Mm-hmm. So we <clears throat> just busted our asses, and we were intense. And we'd always be shocked at like how like the web guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this person from marketing this person from promotions this person from from traffic this person from here this person from whatever the executive assistant whatever and i'm just thinking would always as a group like 30 of them would go and walk from the station over to the boston globe walk slowly to the station in the boston globe and it would blow us away. We were so intense. And we'd see how slowly they'd walk over to the Globe <laughs> and eat at their cafeteria. Then they'd come back and they'd mosey on in. Hey, Ryan, I'll see you later. So, yeah, I'll see you guys later. And we were like, what the? F- how come they're not trying as hard on what they do that we're trying with what we're doing here? I mean, you would think that if everybody was as super motivated as us, then this whole building would be in in, in in fifth gear and we'd be going the speed of light like why aren't they doing why don't they give a crap how can they how do they all and we'd see them gathering as we're running down to a production studio or doing something <clears throat> we'd see them gathering slowly moving this huge pod of people slowly mm-hmm. moving getting to the front lobby and then moving oh out of the parking lot over to the globe and the, we'd be like why the frig how do they find the time for this and what the hell is going on and it occurred to me that Graham and I were in the talk radio business. Mm-hmm. They were in the lunch business. Yeah, of course. 
That's what it was about for them. Da 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 da. Just go. They were really working. They were working really hard at what their job was, which was to schmooze and chat, to and have hang lunch out, and shoot the breeze, and mm-hmm. you know, talk about you know, uh, you know, Taylor Swift's coming in next Tuesday to the country station. That's be great. Maybe my, I'm gonna try to get my cousin in to meet her. And this is, and you guys ready to go to the Globe? Oh, where's is Jenny coming? Can somebody check and see if Jenny's coming? It's freaking incredible, freaking <laughs> incredible. And that's what the Fauci thing is. They just these bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. They're not in it for to do disease stuff. Ugh. No, well, that's what all of D.C. is. Right. That's why D.C. exists, and that's how all those people in that area make money. That's why, you know, whatever it is, nine out of ten of the most expensive zip codes in America, don't quote me on that because I don't have it in front of me, but there's a lot of really pricey zip codes right all around D.C. because, you know, the... That's where all the money flows to because that's where all the power is and the people there have made a business out of hanging out together uh, on mm-hmm. your dime, essentially. Because if the, if those people didn't <coughs> run our lives, then there would be no business to be had there. Right. And listen, it, here's Fauci again. How helpful would it have been if Amazon got involved with the federal response to COVID-19 before Biden took office? And do you know about any plans or discussions ahead of yesterday? No, I, I don't think I could answer that question. Uh, I'd, I'd be waving my hands about that. Sorry. You get but, that know, part, but he right now he says this. One of the new things in this administration is if you don't know the answer, don't guess. <laughs> Just say you don't know the answer. Yeah. Wait, you've been guessing? You've been guessing the whole time? So when they're asking for answers, huh? you know what? I'll give him an answer. Um, sure. A few months. Two, uh, 15 days to, to flatten the curb. It's 15? Um, yeah. <laughs> 15. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Okay. Well, it's 15. We'll put out a memo. We'll tell all the governors it's 15. A few weeks. That could be a few weeks. That's fine. Do, do, do the masks work? I don't, no. <laughs> uh, what do you want to hear? I don't I don't know. I, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear no? Do you want to hear yes? Because we're all trying to gather to go to lunch. So tell me what it, I need to say in this meeting room so that we can wrap this thing up so we can go to lunch. Because that's what we do here. I that's, have a hit on CNN in about an hour. So if we could just finish up with this right. whole like policy thing, that would be great. That's what it is. That's Their, their uh, prime directive is get to lunch. That is it. Do whatever it takes to get there. We're not here to cause trouble. Well, I mean, Joe Biden, in that sense, has made his life even easier because now he doesn't even need to guess at an answer. He can just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Lunchtime. Break. Right. And Jen Psaki, you know, why why was the president allowed to be up there without a mask when he said everybody has to wear a mask? And the federal law now is that you have to wear a mask. Oh, we don't really know. I don't know. It's lunchtime anyway. Uh, meet us for lunch on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our YouTube channel. You can subscribe there. You'll always see the new videos when they first come out. You can comment on them, hit like on the videos, and all those good things. Uh, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. She's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.